Good morning, Grinders. Welcome to DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD, if you want to follow me on Twitter. And this is the show where we uh, will we'll look at yesterday's slate. We had a 15 game slate yesterday. Take a look at results, DB, go over some things, and then uh, see what's going on today. Maybe we'll build some lineups. For the early slate today, we got a slate at what, 10, 12, 35? Of course, it includes games that are you know, four hours later that we, we're not going to have the, the official, you know, confirmed starting lineups for. But we'll, 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 build, we'll build some lineups. I think I'm going to play four lineups in, uh, in the early slate, mostly small field, smaller field GPPs. And we'll, we'll see, we'll see what, we, uh, what, we get to, what we get to, right? And those will be the lineups that I play, right? So you see, in real time, this is what we put together. Obviously, there may be some late swaps there because... Who knows what some of the, we got to, what, when's the Coors game? That game is uh, 3, 310. Are we going to have to confirm lineups to that as a 14 total? Look at look at these totals, right? Right, we're not going to Mets Giants. I think Blue Jays Nationals are on that slate. Like, when are we ever at 405? Like, is there weather in that game? Let's see, let's see. Is there very good chance for rain? Okay, well, there's, okay. There's, there's, there's a problem in the game that doesn't start for three and a half hours after lock. Uh, good luck with that. Like, if you get stuck with that line, right, that's the last game. You can't even swap, right? Game's canceled, right? 345, you're done. You're done. Uh, but we'll, we'll take a look at that and build some lineups. I see you guys in the YouTube chat. Uh, feel free to hit the hit the thumbs up button. Give me some thummy thumbs. Show me your love. Hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. Pug Daddy, Brian C. Suki Singh, Sterling Woods, Matt Mears, Card Fan, Shane Newman, Ryan Edwards, Jerome Lewis, Michael Dampier, real life pitcher. Gabriel Lazaro, uh, uh, Japocalypse. Uh, Gabriel Lazaro says, uh, good morning, fellow grinders. Yesterday I entered a 25-cent tournament. I was in second place, and then the Giants happened. And it knocked me all the way down to 26th place. I went from second place to winning 250 bucks. Well, that's that's the way things break. That's that's what happens, right? It ain't over until it over. It ain't over until it over. Uh, just want to point out, uh, Daniel Hutchings, is a normal and is a regular in our, in our chat room. I don't know if you if you don't know, he's nerdy Tim on on DraftKings and and FanDuel. I believe that's his FanDuel username. Uh, helps out in the chat a lot. Very good player. Uh, had him recently. I had him yesterday on the the Theory of DFS podcast. If you don't know that there's a a weekly podcast. It's not just the course is you, you pay for the course, but I have discussions a lot of times with Eric Vimefor on the show. But he's busy doing his best ball stuff until NFL season starts. So I have like different sharp players. I mean, I've had, you know, uh, you know, Neil Orfield and Corfield 8K. I've had Michael Leone on. I've had, you know, some soccer specialists, some, you know, different sports, different everything. Just talk as two sharp players. But he was on yesterday, Nerdy Tenor. They're, they're long podcasts. Okay. So don't complain. People, oh, I can't believe it's that long. Well, then there's a pause button. You can listen. You don't have to listen all at once. But uh, he goes into his process and his, his, his computer software background. And if and if you listen to uh, how he plays DFS, uh, you'll 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 never you'll you'll just quit playing, right? You'll just like okay, I can't do that. Uh, maybe I should stop playing. But there's there's still there's still enough bad players that I don't think matters that that he's he's essentially built a robot to play DFS for him. Uh, so it'd be very interesting to uh, to listen to that and listen to the podcast in general. I mean, if if you get stuff out of this free game show, you'll get stuff out of the podcast as well but but he was on so i wanted to, to plug that a little bit and uh yeah even people in the chat new episode with nerdy temer 
was great. Loving it as well as all the others. Alex Hooper's there. Alex Hooper, he does uh, 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 soccer stuff, EPL soccer stuff. You can find it. Uh, you can go to his like, Twitter or whatever. He does the Tilt City, right? He does like a review of the EPL stuff. If you play EPL soccer, right? And he's basically, typically most weeks, he shows how he loses to, loses to mean head-to-heads. But I mean, whatever. I, that's why I watch, right? Right. So I look to see the $5 head-to-head. I go, oh, okay, beat him by 40 points. Let's see what he's going to say on his YouTube show, right? So uh, you, you can do that if you play EPL as well. Link to the podcast. Go just search. Let's go to Google. Just go to Google. I don't know. Does Devin have a link? Who cares? Right? It's in iTunes. Go search, search for Theory of DFS. Type into Google, just theory of DFS podcast. I mean, you could just do it, right? Why do I have to do all the work for you? It's not that complicated. Just like people that ask, you know, is this guy in the starting lineup? We have a starting lineup page. Just go to the starting, look. What's the new lineup for this? Go look. We have a lineups page. And it's free. It's free. You don't even have to, you don't have to pay for Roto-Grinders Premium. I mean, some of the stuff you do. And if you want to, you click on the link in the description. Get $10 off your first month. Uh, let's see. So results DB, which is free also. Half this stuff is free. Why should we should be charging for this? Uh, yesterday. Yesterday, uh, still lost money yesterday, but I didn't think I did that badly. <sighs> okay. Allergies. Uh, from a pitching perspective, I mean, as, as usual on a 15-game slate, we could see here, I put up a whole bunch of sharper players and you see a lot of sea of yellow, right? The higher owned players are less, are not as exposed. Amazingly enough, the twins were the chalk last night. The twins were more chalky than the Padres as a whole. Like, which, cause they were so, they had like a five plus total and their prices are so cheap. So everyone tried to jam them in and it didn't work. So I was way under on the twins, way under on the Indians, because sometimes I call sometimes I call those 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 are the optimizer teams, right? The teams that just they they project well from a median perspective, right? We can see that on the stack page. Like for instance, today. Now, obviously, this is a mix of multiple slates, but like this, I I always sort by ceiling. So I'm looking to score the most the most point. I want I want my stack to the most likelihood of going off for eight plus runs, okay? They may not be priced well, like the Dodgers are, are, are expensive. You're going to have to pay for it. And especially on slates where people are paying up for pitching, it's going to be hard to play expensive stats. But I focus on that. But like, if you take a look down here, the Indians on like the early slate, like anytime you see point per dollar, like the point per dollar value, on the other hand, Indians, Pirates, Rockies, although, although they're in, you know, they're in cores. So like, to me, if you're building just based on median projections, you're going to get a lot more of, the Rockies, like for this early slate, we're going to see a lot of Indians Rockies lineups. Obviously, we'll see some Padres also, but Twins, right? It just point per dollar wise, they're good. But if you organize by by ceiling, not the NASCAR content, but if you want to go to the NASCAR content, feel free to do so. You organize by ceiling, like the Reds have almost as high ceiling as the Rockies, but they're priced much higher, which means they'll be owned less. You have to go out of your way to get Cincinnati Reds, okay? So you'll, we'll see when we build some lineups for this early slate what you know what I'll be doing. Uh, but that's the main reason why those teams end up being over-owned 
they're not over-owned for their median, they're over-owned for their ceiling. And when you're playing GPP, I you know, the Twins scoring five runs on a 15-game slate just ain't going to cut for a large field GPP, right? Maybe you have the one guy that hits two home runs in your stack or something if that happens. But for the most part, they're just not going to score enough points. That median, well, yeah, okay, you're mid-cash, okay. Doesn't play, mean you play no Twins. It just means that they're over-owned. So looking through all, all of this, I mean, the popular combination yesterday was Burns and Inoa, Wainoa. Wainoa only pitched 80 pitches, but I mean, he pitched pretty well. He was only scheduled, like we, we were only expecting him to go 80 to 90 pitches anyway, but he was, it was cheap enough. So from a pitching perspective, I mean, we even see here, like pitching go all over the place. Like Larry Oda played a bunch of Eovaldi. Dylan, I played a whole lot of Dylan Bundy. I mean, I wish he got the last out so he was eligible for like the win or something. But for the most part, I mean, yeah, like I played a bunch of Taylor Hearn cheap because I'm playing more expensive stacks. Yesterday, my main stacks were Toronto, Cincinnati. What was it? Toronto, Oakland. Oakland, that sucked. That didn't work. Toronto, Oakland, Cincinnati, San Diego, and Philadelphia. Uh, and you go San Diego. They were like, they were projected to be the, the, the top owned stack, right? They were projected to be. They didn't end up really being. I thought they were under owned even at their levels, right? I, th I thought like, uh, even on a 15 game slate as a stack, because I think like Tatis was owned and Machado was owned, but like as the five man, like it probably should have been a little bit more owned than it, than it should be. And then it, than it was, uh, so that's why I played, right? It was, I don't, I thought the twins were the over, that's the twins I barely played, right? I thought they were way over on, but I think the the Padres, although they were high owned, were not efficiently Oh, they were, they had a slightly under, not dramatically under, but slightly under. Uh, I thought Manoa would be over owned, and I mean, he didn't do well. He was 29% owned. I thought he would, I thought Manoa would be like 24% owned, and I thought he was over owned at 24%. Uh, Logan Webb was under owned. I was over on Logan Webb, even though the bat projection didn't really, he was, didn't project all that well. Wainwright projected better than him, but, uh, I decided to play more Webb than Wainwright, and that ended up being the right decision. I played a lot more of Vladimir Gutierrez at 13% ownership. I thought he was under-owned. I didn't play any Bassett. I think it was overpriced for his projection. Uh, Alcantara, I thought, was overpriced for his projection, uh, but at 5% owned, I, we, we, I, be I believe we had him at much higher ownership. If I knew, if I knew Alcantara was only going to be 5.8% owned, I would have had way more. I ended up with way more of them and thinking I was going under. I think I had Alcantara in 10% of my lineups, thinking that he would be like 18% owned. Right? If I knew he was 5.8% owned, I probably would have had him in like 28% of my lineups. So that that's one of those, like, I'm not judging it based on the results. I should have played more Alcantara, right? If he was 5.8% owned and, and, and he put up zero, he put up minus three, I would be saying the same thing. Right. I also had a bunch of Kyle Gibson, Taylor Hearn, Tyler Anderson. Right. He was two percent. We had him. We had Tyler Anderson projected like ten, and I was over. I thought he was underowned at ten. At two, he's way underowned. So I played a bunch of him. So like that. That's how I'm choosing. Like especially the pitching combinations, and then I'm just getting as much Burns and Wainoa were the two best point per dollar projected pitchers, or at least ceiling wise. Maybe Burns wasn't the best point per dollar, but raw points wise. So I'm, playing, I'm just like, where, wherever they fit, right? I put a cap, a hard cap at like 40%, which is wherever they fit. And of course, I got like 40% of each. 
we can see here with all, you know, a lot of even the chalkier pitches weren't as, you know, we have some people that went over a Manoa, but I mean, it's the usual suspects. Pitching ownership is, you know, some people take chances on, on cheaper pitching so they get up for expensive bats, but it's a mix and match. When we take a look at the batters, I mean, why are you playing a 23% on Connor Joe on a, on a, on a 15 game slate? I mean, play, play, sure, I played him in Rocky stacks, but I didn't have that many Rocky stacks. But we see here, it's mostly, still mostly, it's all, yeah, everyone's under the 23. Tatis is 18%, and people are getting around that. But look at these twins. Across the board. I mean, a lot of yellow, a lot of yellow on these twins. Kepler, a lot of yellow. I mean, still, I mean, still have some. I mean, it's not like they're bad, right? I had twins mostly in like three man. So I was playing a five-man stack of, of another team, like Toronto, and then a three-man Minnesota with not like up top, no burns, like those types of lineups, if I had twins. I can't believe the, 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 uh, the, the Rays were way more owned than I thought they would be. I was under on them even at the way. I thought they would be like, you know, aggregate like maybe 6 7%. I thought they were over-owned for that. And then they end up coming in at what, eleven point nine for a Rosarina? Why? I know the the Orioles bullpen is almost like Chris Field, right? The Orioles bullpen you know, just act as if whoever's playing against the Orioles is playing at Coors, and that's probably good if, as long as the bullpen comes in. But I mean, but look, this eleven point nine percent, Zunino ten percent, Cruz at nine. Yeah, when Cruz hit that second home run, I'm like, okay, that can't hurt me that much. I'm like, he's nine point five percent owned. On a 15-game slate, people were playing the Rays. Had I, know, had I known they would be this own, I'd have less of them, even though they did well, right? So th that's that's the mentality that you should have. Oh, the Rays did really well. I should have had more. Like, what if I told you that they were going to be 10% owned? As a, they were going to be the third most popular stack on the slate. You go, well, I'm not going to play the, the, the Rays at home against John Means. They had only like I have 4.4 total or something. I mean, like in comparison to some other, they didn't, it's not like they projected that well at all. Like you wouldn't be playing them. So who cares that they went off? Who cares? Who cares what happened? Right? I don't even think they made the winning lineup. I don't think the race stack was in the winning lineup. The, the winning lineup was a mess. Two, good luck doing this. Two, 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 two. Good luck. Good luck with that. Long term. That a two, 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 two lineup wins. Do we have any anything over here? Let's see. Another mess. Right, there weren't because there weren't that many high-scoring teams, and the Nationals, like no one had. My best lineup in the twenty max was a Nationals five-man stack. I and because like, the ownership of that stack was nuts. I mean, I, I out of I played one hundred and thirty-five lineups yesterday. I think I had the Nationals five-man and I think three lineups total. But like Riley Adams, like in my lineup, I had Riley Adams at 027 percent owned at catcher. 30 points, right? Yadiel Hernandez, 0.39% on. Like the, the Nationals were not, nowhere near where the, you know, the highest you know, ceiling projection or anything like that. But two things, two reasons to play the Nationals, okay? Yesterday, two good reasons. One, like they're on, no matter what, they're under up. There's no team that should be less than 1% owned on any, on any slate, right? And they were facing Alec Manoa, who was 29% owned. So you get more relative value from the Nationals than you do other teams. 
right? So if you had to decide, this is, if okay, I'm going to play a little, like the, if you wanted to play the Marlins as that stack, I, I'm fine with that also. Why? Because Wynoa was 31% owned. Which means because so many people are playing the pitcher, the stack goes under owned because those lineups are not going to contain Marlins players. And when the Marlins do well, 31% of the Wynoa lineups start tanking. You start, you, you, know, you get more value against those lineups. So in yesterday's slate, if you were like, uh, I want to play a low-owned cheap team or something like that. Do I play the Royals? I don't even know who they were playing yesterday. Do I play the Royals or do I play the Nationals? Like who, who's pitching against the Royals yesterday? I don't even remember. But no one that was owned, right? Or you, it, it, who, who, I mean, I, I, I don't barely remember who was playing yesterday. It's so like the Braves against Alcantara. They're not a cheap team, but if Alcantara was more owned, that I, I, that's why I played. I played a, a bunch of Brave stacks because I thought Alcantara would be like 15 to 18% owned. Had I known that Alcantara was only going to be 5% owned, I would have played less Braves. So it's that mentality, especially if you're playing the single entry, three max type of stuff where the ownership gets even more condensed. So these pitchers become even more owned. So if you want to take a shot, Take, I'm going to play Burns Wynoa. Well, then stack or do something. Play three batters, two batters. Play one batter. Play Soto as a one-off against the other chalky pitcher. We're going to show on on the on the uh, on this early slate. That's that's how I approach, especially the smaller slates. Of how how can I get as much relative value as possible? Because there aren't as many options on the slate. So I want to I want to I want to have as much much of a chance that I can win on a low scoring slate. And low scoring slates typically when the chalk fails. So if I'm not going to play any type of leverage against the chalk, it's going to be harder to win on lower scoring slates. So that's the main reason I have some, I, I could have had, I mean, I ended up with three nationals lineups and I think I, I had three five man stacks of the nationals and like two other lineups that had like a three man or something like that. I think I had a, I had a Padres five man with three, I had Riley Adams, Yadiel Hernandez and Juan Soto or something in that line, Royal Robles in that lineup. And of course, the Padres just did, you know, other, they don't really do much, right? That, that lineup didn't, didn't go as high as it could have gone. But I'm mixing and matching like that. But these teams, I mean, they're, they're less than 1% owned. But that's the main reason why in the, in the main GPP, you didn't see a national stack up here. Just not many lineups had, not many people had the nationals. All right, we take some, some a lot of messes. Whenever you see, you know, people that aren't Roto-Grinders members and single bullets, you know, that uh, the sharper players... Probably did not do very well. So he's a Colorado stack. Okay. Burns, Webb, Colorado stack. Nelson Cruz. Ledmus to Diaz with only two points. I mean, that's a, that's a normal lineup. What's Utica's best lineup? Tampa Bay. Oh, yeah, there you go. Here's the Ray stack. And then with Minnesota, that didn't really get there, right? To me, I view this as a very, chalk, this is a very chalky type of construction. Yeah, sure, Margot and Franco aren't that owned, right? You get away with it. But I'm less likely to build these types of lines, especially when, with, with, with Tampa Bay being more owned than I believe. Right, because I look at this lineup and I go, Tampa Bay over-owned, Minnesota over-owned, Colorado over-owned, Burns and Wynoa efficiently or over-owned. Like, just, I'm just never going to make these lines. 
Doesn't mean these lineups can't win. I just, I just believe the EV of my lineups are higher than the EV of these lineups. But out of 150 lineups, if you have a couple of these, then it's no big deal, right? Maybe Uticao has a bunch of, you know, whacked out lineups like I have. Okay, going through the YouTube chat. Metal Alloy 419, thank you. Most helpful thing you could listen to if you want to be serious in DFS. Please keep me coming. Well, no, I'm not, I'm not going to keep you coming. My arms are not that long. Chris Schumacher. Hi, Jordan. You speak often about aggregating projections. Do you kind enough to give a brief Excel tutorial on the process of aggregating projections? No. Learn Excel. All you have to do is download the projections from multiple sites. They all have the same names. They're typically coming from the DK, like the salaries file that you could download from DK. You know what you do? You could, you could do multiple ways. Obviously, you could use like VLOOKUP or whatever. You could, you could make the match the names and then move this, the information. If you don't even know how to do that, you know what you do? You sort the column. Sort the column uh, uh, <laughs> alphabetically. Sort the name column alphabetically in all. Let's say you get projections from this source, this source, this source. Well, typically it has, you know, fantasy points and a name in the name. And typically it's the name that's in DraftKings, right? Because it's part of their optimizer. It's going to have to be. Sometimes a user ID or something. So you just sort the name, A to, a to Z, in all those files. And then that projection column, just put in the next column on the other file. So you have one main file. It has four columns in it, right? It has five columns in it, okay? It has the name, it has projection source one, projection source two, projection source three, and the average as the fourth column, right? So you just cut and paste. So you cut and paste the names, you cut and paste, sort that entire row of the, that projection source, the entire row of the other projection source, the entire row of the other projection source. And then you have a little formula, the average equals average and the three, the three fucking columns, right? And that. And you can cut and paste and just make the, that column the same for all the cells, right? And then once you paste the first one in, the average is going to be obviously equal to that. And then once you paste the second column in, it's going to be an average of those two. Once you paste the third column, it's going to be average of those three, right? Okay, so that average column, now you export that except that file as a CSV. Make sure if you like, if you're uploading to lineup HQ, like if you upload here. Like you want to put the fan, like you want to make sure that the average column is called F underscore points because that's what goes into lineup HQ. So you can look at the template for, for Roto Grinders for lineup HQ. But all you have to do is change the header of that column. So you have the name column. So you have an, make the header say name, make whatever you want the projections in there to be that is going to show in lineup HQ to be F, F points. And there you go and upload it. Now you're done. Now, once the projections update from multiple sources, you're gonna have to do that process again, right? That, you know, that's that's laborious to do. Like, that is the easiest way to do it if you have no Excel, like you have limited Excel experience. Like, just cut and paste it and sort the columns and paste the numbers, in, right? Now, if you could scrape data and it, you could make that come in automatically, right? You could use you know the lookup functions to match the names to the th you could do all of that also. But if you don't know how to do that, you could simply just cut and paste into columns. Let me tell you, most of the time that is what I do because I'm 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 not that good at Excel. When I aggregate when I aggregate 
projections because I don't do it that often. A lot of times in MLB, I'm just, I'm pretty much using the bat. I may look at other projections. I may look and go, wow, this guy projects really well in the bat. What does he look like elsewhere? Oh, okay. It doesn't look that bad elsewhere. Like just, just the am I crazy type of stuff. Because I could look at something and go, oh, this guy projects really well. He's going to be really owned. And then look, and then like no one else has him that way. It was not going to be 20% owned. It's going to be 8% owned. So I'm just looking at the aberrations, the weird stuff that I see. Most of the time, I'm not ag- like in football, I, I'll, I'll aggregate. Because I got a whole week. I, I mean, I just, it's one Sunday slate. So that's fine. MMA, I'll aggregate. Golf, like there's enough time for that. But, you know, when projections change, I just, I don't have. I don't have the knowledge enough to, you know, to get the XML files and, and, and parse through or whatever. I know it's probably, it's probably, I probably could, I, I'm pretty sure in about a day or two, I could spend a day or two and learn how to do all that. I just, I just not have put in the time. I've just done it manually. It takes me an extra five minutes, but it, it works for me. Eventually I'll, I'll make, I'll make it a little bit more efficient, but that's what you could do in Excel. Let's see, going through the YouTube chat. Do, 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 do. Chili 13, random question, but just curious. It, it's a, perfectly fine. This is the place to ask questions. It's perfectly fine. If you run 150 lineups, how many projection points does your best projected lineup and worst projected lineup differ by? It could be, it could be dramatic. Always understand that the more projection that you give up, the more ownership that you have to drop because of it. But you, you can play lineups that are 40 points off the top projected lineup. And they're going to be a grand total of 12% on. Like, it could be. Understand that the standard deviation of that lineup is going to be absurd. That may be, that may, that might quite possibly, quite probably is a plus EV lineup. It just doesn't win anywhere that often. And when it doesn't win, it probably doesn't even cash either. Right? So how many of those lineups are you going to play? Like, like those are extremely high variance lineups that, if you're playing 150 lineups, maybe you do have some of those types of lineups, right? And But you also have some lineups that, you know, are less leveraged, still have first place equity. They're lower, they're lower EV. They're still profitable, but you may still retain your, it'll come in 40th place. And like, okay, I got some, I got more of my money back. I'm getting more of my money back. If you played 150 lineups that are, 40 points off the top projected and 10% on, which, which would still be fine. And you play 150 of them, like you're going to have like 95% of the slates. You're not going to get any of your money. You get nothing. You're going to play 150. If you play, if they were, these were $10 lineups, you put in 1500 bucks, you're going to get back almost nothing. Most slates, right? Most slates. And then a couple of slates, you didn't, you win the whole, you win the whole thing and you win by 40 points. I mean, you could, you could do that. If we played this out a million times in a row and you played a million slates, you'd end up with X amount of dollars and it would be more money than uh, a more balanced set. We, we talked about it on, uh, on the Theory of DFS podcast uh, just yesterday with, uh, with Nerdy Town. The difference between uh, a balanced strategy and an exploitative strategy. I tend to play more exploitative, but it doesn't mean I'm playing 100% exploitative. Meaning like, like yesterday, it's not like I'm like, oh, the Twins are going to be overowned X amount, right? Oh, the Cleveland is going to be overowned and just X, just completely X out teams that I believe are are inefficiently overowned. Oh, Burns should only be thirty eight percent owned. He's going to be forty six X amount. Like you're Xing out like all your projection, right? They're the best projections. So like, 
I'll win in the cases where all the chalk fails, right? When all the chalk fails, but if some of the chalk still works, right? So if I have none of it in 150 lineups, like my swings are going to be just like, I'm going to lose most. I'm going to lose all of my money, most slates. My swings are going to be dramatic. At the end, I'll have more money, but can I survive until then? I don't know. So instead of having these wild swings, I want to have like kind of more of these wild, narrower, narrower outcomes. So I don't mind in 150 lineups. Yeah, maybe I'll have one or two twin stacks, but I'll make sure that those twin stacks are not paired with Padres and Corbin Burks, right? I mean, like, I'll make, I'll make sure I want to play a different type of lineup with them. So I can still play. So if the twins go off, at least I have, I have some outs. But I also don't have a lineup that I'm sharing, you know, the, the construction type where I'm a 2v2, 1v1 off of like 100 other lineups. Uh, Jerry Mann, when using an op the optimizer to build 100 plus lineups, how do you ensure that you get exposure to all the players from a team while also ensuring that your ownership percentage is within reason? I find hand building best. Yeah, you start hand building. I, I hand build for two, two years before I even touched an optimizer. Once you, once you hand build, and I wasn't just building one lineup, I was building 10, 20 lineups, but I was always doing it by hand. Because then you learn the dynamics of, well, salary here, salary there, position there. Like you could, you could visualize lineups so much easier and then allow an optimizer to, well, I know that if I pay up here and pay down here, I'm not going to be able to afford this combination, you know? So I know what it ends up turning out being. How many lineups can I make? Because some people use an optimizer and go, I want a lot of this guy and that guy in that stack and go like, well, if you... Those are two expensive pitchers and this is an expensive stack. So you're going to get a lot of Frank Schwindle in your line, right? Because these two stacks that you're playing, the first baseman is the one with the worst point per dollar value, right? So it's going to be less likely to appear in your stacks. And the best point per dollar play, cheapo play on the slate is Frank Schwindel from the Cubs. And he's 2,300 and he fills a first base spot. So let me tell you, if you want the two expensive pitchers and all that, you're going to have like 80% Frank Schwindel, right? Do you want that? You want it? Okay. Well, if you want it, that's fine. But just, that's what's going to happen. But you'd know that if you hand build, right? Because you hand build, you put the the expensive stack and the two pitchers together, and you go, okay, I need a first baseman. Oh, Bobby Dalbeck, right? Some French Schwindel, some you know two K first baseman. Colin Moran, if he's still cheap, I don't know. Be something like that. An optimizer is probably going to is going to try to solve the max stacks problem and give you the highest projected lineup. And whoever's you know three point five point per dollar, that's going to jam. It's going to be jamming that in. So you have to cap that if you don't want it as much. And then you cap Frank Schwindel at 20% and you start getting Bobby Dahl back, right? You still get a cheap first baseman, right? You keep on doing that, right? Or you have to realize that in order to play this construction, you're not going to be able to have an expensive first baseman. So you go, okay, maybe instead of having the two chalk pitching, the two expensive pitchers together, whatever, they have one of the expensive and one of the cheaper ones. Well, now you start getting Vlad Guerrero. Now, now you're able to get Guerrero in the first base spot. Ah, if you hand build, you you get experience knowing, like, if I do this, I know I'm going to have to do that, the trade-offs on building your lineups. So you could, pro you could program an optimizer so much better. But uh, Jerry Mann says, I've stacked certain teams before only to find out that the optimizer didn't pick the one guy that hit two. No, the optimizer didn't, the optimizer didn't do anything. You didn't pick it. You have to tell it what to do, okay? Now, the high-ceiling players tend to be more expensive. And they, from a median perspective, they may not be the best point per dollar plays. Point per dollar, median. So we take a look at 
Uh, let's take a look at Toronto, for instance. That's a good example. Like if you were to build Toronto stacks today, most likely you're going to get Dickerson, Gritchuk, Hernandez, Kirk, and Espinal, or something like that, right? You're going to get the least amount of Bo Bichette because based on a point per dollar, because it's just trying to jam in median fantasy points. I don't know why this is six and five. Why, why is this? Okay. Why the projections change? I have no idea. Oh, I think on a previous slate, I, I'm like, oh, they knew, they're new in the lineup. I had to give them a fake projection. Okay. So look at this. So if you were to build Toronto stacks, 10 Toronto stacks, it's quite possible that you get zero Bobashek. Now he has the, look at the, he has the highest seal. He has a much higher ceiling than some of these other guys, right? He's a better player. He plays shortstop. And then you want to play, you know, a scarce position. So you have to tell it if you want 10, if, if you're having 10% uh, Blue Jay stacks, maybe you may want to make sure that you have them in at least two of the 10, right? Two out of the 10. So put in the minimum and say two and tell the optimizer, like, I want to make sure that I have at least two, you know, it, you don't have to make sure that Corey Dickerson's going to be in there because it's going to want to put it in, right? Because it's trying to jam in median fantasy points. That's all it's doing. It doesn't know any better. You change, change the projection. You don't want as much Corey Dickerson. You can make him six. There you go. His point per dollar value comes down. That accomplishes the same thing, but of course it changes the projection. So it may affect other lineups, but here you go. Just make sure. That happens sometimes with the Reds, right? A lot of times I'm playing Red stacks and I need to up and go, I'm playing a lot like yesterday. I think I played like 12% Reds. But on my first run, I was only getting like three lineups with Votto in. So you know what I did? I said, Max, it's I put, put his minimum at six. So I'm telling it like, no, I, I want to make sure to get Votto in more of these lineups and not have all the lineups have Taylor Naquin, Tyler Naquin in it. That's exactly what happened. In the, the 12% of lineups I was making with the Reds, Tyler Naquin appeared in all of the stacks, all of them, because it had the highest, by far, highest point per dollar value. Now, let's say I don't want that. Let's say at, he's in 12% of my lineups. He's in, in all of them are red stacks. And I, I don't want him in all, maybe 10, right? You make a decision. I want to make sure that, it may, maybe not all, maybe in eight. I have 12 red stacks. I want him in half, right? That's six. You do the math. 12% red stacks. You're making 100 lineups. And they're all five threes. So did, there's no one-offs or anything like that. So you put six. If, you, if that's what you want. If you, I, mean, I don't want him in two. You can, do, you can do that, right? Maybe you don't want Tucker Barnhart as the catcher in, in all these lines, right? You get 10 out of 12 lineups as Tucker Barnhart. Okay, so, so I would not X him out. Accidentally X him out. So you say, oh, I only want him in four. But you do that after the first run. Like you should, like I'm, I'm not pressing the build button and just going. I'm pressing the build button multiple times. Iterations of the build. Because we'll see here when we build build lineups for uh, for this early slate. So like here on this on this slate today, this early slate. You know how much Sam Hilliard you'd get if you? I mean, look look that Arietta versus Chichi Gonzalez. Boy, what a bad pitching matchup. Let me refresh because we got some uh, we got Indians lineups in. But like you see here, like look this point per dollar value. If you're gonna play one offs. It's going to start jamming this stuff in. Hilliard one-offs, Naquin one-offs, Mercado one-offs, Schwindel one-off. I mean, you're going, to, you're going to start getting a lot of these guys as one-offs. And a lot of people will also. 44% don't. That's a projected. And a lot of people use optimizers wrong. And, that, and that's what happens. 
oh, I'm going to just, I'm going to pick a couple of teams and then press build. And then I have 60% Sam Hilliard. And then he puts up three points and you go, these projections are bad. This optimizer sucks. Like, no, you, you, <laughs> like 44% own $2,400 Sam Hilliard. Like is, is, is obviously over owned. He's obvious. I don't have to say anything. He sh- he, I mean, yes, he's the best point per dollar value, but it's baseball. Anything happens in baseball. But for this slate, I'm going to, I'm building four lineups. So I'm, I'm playing the smaller single entry stuff. I'll still throw it in the large field. So I'm going to be playing more correlative lineups, right? It's a small slate. So you don't have to, it doesn't have to be 5-3. 5-3, 5-X, 5-1-1-1, 4-4, 4-3, 4-3, 4-3, 4-3, 4-3, 4-3, 4-3, 4-3, 4-3, 4-3, 4-3, 4-3, 4-3, 4-3, 4-3, 4-3, 4-3, 4
right? That's why you'll find so many more lineups in between the top optimal and like 10 points below. And you could find thousands of lineups, thousands, tens of thousands of lineups that are like that. In baseball, you're not. In baseball, you know, one guy projects so, so much higher than others. Like, like dude, one say two swings of a bat is 28 points. So if you, oh, you're giving up 30 points in projected median projection. Yeah, but then the team gets shut out. The team only puts up three runs, right? One stack is projected for this and one stack is projected for that. But like, it's, very, it's much easier for that to equal out than in basketball where it's very iterative. We have to score to points at a time, at a time, at a time. You know, two walks, home run, there you go. Three run home run, you have all the guys, that's, 20, that's more than 20 points right there. Right, the two runs, the walk, you get four, four, 18. 26 points right off the bat. Now, some relief pitcher in the seventh inning does it. And there, that evens yourself out. Like when, when it can happen so much like that, I don't mind giving up a ton of projection in a lineup. Median projection. It doesn't matter. The median doesn't matter that much. Just a way to just a way to, to relate two lineups to one another. But I just I need to get the ownership lower. I don't want to play two lineups of the similar uh, of similar ownership and one has a 14-point lower median. It's like, no, play, play. Play the higher median lineup, but they're both owned at the same rate. Oh, uh, let's see. Go through the lineup. Let's see. Okay, so we're getting a ton of Molly. Yeah, he. If you take a look, his projection in the bat is just like way above everyone else's. Like, like from a point per dollar, like even raw point wise, he's like almost seven points higher than anything else. Doesn't mean we're going to play Molly or Fade. I, 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 I think I'm going to have some couple. Of, I think we're going to make a cup slide against Molly because look at his owners. This is this is my natural reaction. If I'm going to build four lineups, I want I this this is what I want to do. Just my natural exploitive way. I want to build one Cubs lineup, one Nationals lineup, and one uh, Mets lineup because if these are going to be the three highest on pitchers. I'm just going to bet one of them fails. <laughs> I just, I don't know which one, but one of them does. And when they fail, it takes down like half the lineups of the contest, right? So that, to me, that's the, that's the easiest way to play. Oh yeah, Toronto may be under-owned, but they're facing a 3% on pitch. San Francisco may be under-owned. Uh, 24%, okay. McGill will be owned. Please, Zach will be owned. But Minnesota is going to be mega-owned, right? Cleveland's going to be mega-owned. Maybe I'm playing Thorpe in a lineup, a $5,800 Thorpe in a lineup because Cleveland is going to be overowned. And when Cleveland fails, it'll take down a whole bunch of lineups with them. So I also, I also know like cores will be popular. I think cores plus Cleveland, that type of lineup more likely, but yeah, but I'm probably not taking Ariette or Chichi Gonzalez, but I just want to look at the lineups. So here we go. I have a hundred lineups. I have all different stacks. I have 89% Molly. Okay. So the best Molly lineup. Obviously, these are way owned. Like, I would never play. This is just way too much ownership. Right, because this is going to be the chalk. Like, look at this lineup. It's a Coors 5-3, these Clifani, Molly. Like, don't play these lineups. Like, I, I, this is a lineup that I will, I will never play. Just two In a GPP, this is a nearly a cash game lineup that's stacked. Yeah, but they, they project the best. Yeah, true. So I take a look, and you get so many of these types of lineups. But of course, I put it in a 10%. So we're going to start getting, you know, other other types of lineups. But the first thing I want to look at is uh, pitching-wise. So we have those pitchers. 
Molly, Berrios, Dislafon, right? Barry, Molly's going to be by far the most owned. These other ones are kind of equal enough. Like they're enough, it's close enough that I can play either or, but Molly's going to be way, but he's also seven points projected higher. So I want to look at the best non-Molly lineup. There's no really good way of doing this. Because I there's 89 lineups there, so there's 11 lineups without Molly. So we're looking for the first one. We're probably, probably have to scroll a bunch. Scroll a bunch for the first non-Molly lineup. Let's keep on going. It's, it's, gonna, it's probably gonna take a while. <laughs> Molly, 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 Molly. This is why I should have done like fifty lines, right? Molly, 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 Molly. But they're probably gonna be towards the bottom. But who knows? There may be one, you know, stuck in here. Is it really gonna be the first eighty-nine lineups and then then something else? Really? It may be, you're right, because it's a seven-point difference in projection. So this may be, it may not be until the, the 90th lineup. Yeah, it makes sense. You're going to be giving up projection, too much projection. Or I don't know, let's see. Let's go all the way down to Molly, 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 Molly. Okay, Barrios Di Sclafani. Okay, with Chicago, because obviously you'd stack against Molly, Right. And then you have Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis, and Connor Jones as a one-off. And you're still playing two fairly young pitchers. But you're stacking against. This is 105-57-201. Okay? Let's, let's save that. Right? You could also play not much projection difference. And it's just different players, right? Oh, uh, Tatis is outfield eligible now? Ooh. So you're playing McMahon's story. And so you're playing both shortstops. Right, and you're not playing Connor Joe. You're playing Schwindel, Bodie, Ortega, Hap. 49-8. This is 49-2. Maybe I like this better as a Chicago stack. 136. Here's one one that's at 136. That's 201. What does this 136 one look like? Okay, Machado with Josiah Gray against Toronto. Ooh, there may be weather issues there. So maybe I don't want to play that. So yeah, Josiah Gray just knocks out a lot of this ownership. But I can see the construction, right? You're stacking against Molly, playing a five-man Colorado, and it projects at like 105 median. And the top one is 124, right? That's a 19-point difference, which isn't all that much when when you're getting you're you're getting the relative value of when Molly fails, you're getting po more points. So I actually don't mind an 18-point drop in, in medium, especially half the ownership, more than half the ownership. And you're stacking against, he may not even be 57. Molly may be 80%. I mean, who knows? In the smaller field stuff, we're projecting him for 57% in the just the normal GPPs. He could be 70-plus in the small field, so maybe even better. So I'm looking at those Cub stacks. Okay, so I, I looked at that. Now, we got uh, Berrios and Di Sclafani. Obviously, that Toronto-Washington game, I mean, this weather, a very good chance for rain in Washington today, but right now models zip one line through pregame and hold a second just line just north. I'll kind of bite on that and keep it at just yellow in case that second line pops closer. We'll leave it a chance for a delay and reevaluate closer to first pitch. Okay. So it's okay. It's, it's not, as, not as bad as I thought. Let's go back to this. 
So Berrios. So we'd be playing Washington. So Washington and the Mets. Okay, so let's take a look at what the best uh, best uh, Washington stack is. Let's see. We go to stack summary here. Now it's easy. It's I'm not I'm not looking for a pitcher. Teams used in whatever in four plus stacks. So Nationals. Here we go. One ten nine one sixty eight. And you're probably playing cores in the other parts of the lineup. And you're playing Molly, right? So you're playing Molly Disclafani. Trey Barrera, if he's if if he's in the lineup, right? We don't we don't have these lineups. Trey Barrera, Bell, Hampson, Tyboom, Story. Okay, we have one at one ninety one. Okay, I don't like that as much. One sixty eight, one ninety one, one eighty, one ninety one, one seventy eight, one eighty five. Looks okay. One forty six. Get Blackman in there. Jos- Josiah Gray. Maybe I play a Josiah Gray lineup because he's correlated with the, the Nationals, maybe. 3% owned against Toronto. That's always scary. People aren't going to want to play Josiah Gray against... Is, is Molly in that lineup also? Let's just make sure. Yeah, Molly's in this lineup. Maybe I want to play this lineup. Hampson, Tatis, Blackman, Soto Robles, Kaibub, Bell, Barrera. I'll save that. 147. I'll save the top one also. Just to look. Okay, that isn't that bad. And then we're looking at the Mets against Di Sclafani, who's also going to be on. Here's a Lewis Thorpe lineup. Oh, there we go. 174. Okay, I don't mind that. Here's one that's a little bit low, one a little bit lower projected, but yeah, because of Gray's in here. Do I want to play Gray or do I want to play Thorpe against Cleveland? Let me just take a look at the bat pitch. What do we have in Thorpe's projected pitch count for the bat? Let's see, projected pitch count. Where's Thorpe? We have Gray. Oh, Gray, 76. Where's Thorpe? 82. Should I play Thorpe? Gray, I mean, 76 pitches is kind of low for Gray, especially against Toronto if he doesn't do well. So maybe Thorpe is better. And if Cleveland's going to be more owned than Toronto, maybe Thorpe is, is better. I think it's close. I, didn't, I thought Thorpe would have a lower projected pitch count than, uh, than Gray. Apparently not. So maybe this lineup, maybe I prefer this lineup. And San Diego, you go 5-3. McCann, Alonzo, McNeil, Nimmo, Conforto. Right, you got the lefties, right? Especially against uh, Di Sclafani. And you get the, and you get the Padres. It's Chi-Chi. Or you could do this if you want. Well, let, let's let's save that. Any other? Let's see. One twenty-four. Right. It's going to be similar types of lineups. Berrios in this lineup. One ninety. One twenty-seven. This isn't bad. Obviously has Listella in it. Okay. So you're looking, you're looking at that. Okay. So we got some of those lineups, and then uh, let's take a look at. Let's see if you're going to play Molly. And the Padres. So I think the Padres are going to be less owned than the Rockies. How about Cincinnati? There's not much going on. I mean, outside of outside of cores, the Reds against Adrian Sampson. Like not like based on this point per dollar value, like we're going to get no one's going to play them. I mean, no one. People will. Let's take a look at a red stack. Like these are high, these are really high variance lineups. Remember, these lineups have are not going to just cash. I'm looking to win the whole thing. 
It's like, oh, you're going to fade fours? Oh, you're going to play lineups against the top owned? Yes, I'm only playing four lineups. If I was playing 150 lineups, I would have, I would have plenty of the other types of lineups. But I only, that's, that's what people think. They think the opposite. Oh, I only have three lineups, so I have to play the safest. No, that's the worst strategy. You only have a couple of lineups, so you want to increase your expected value as much as possible. If you're playing within your bank, within your bankroll means, if you play three lineups, play the three risky lineups. Play 100 lineups. You don't want to play 100 risky lineups. You can play, you can play 50 and then 50 that are a little bit safe or a little bit still good, not absurdly safe. But people would look at this and go, I can't believe you. You're playing, you're, you're, you play four lineups and you're just stacking against the top one pick. Yes, you're right. And you know what? 90% of the time I lose. Okay, that's fine. But when I win, I have a shot at like $50,000 or whatever, small field, $10,000 or whatever the hell it is. So let's take a look at Cincinnati. Dieselafani, Molly. 245. Still, you got obviously got San Diego in here. 206. A little bit less ownership because that's gray in there. Everybody don't want to play gray. Mustakis, Vlado, India, Barrero, or the 2K guy. Is he is he in? Is this pinch hit risk? I mean, this may be pinch hit risk. Reds, Mustakis, Aquino, Naquin, Barrero. Barrero shortstop, Miller? Is that shortstop? Is the outfield shortstop? Is that the reason? Oh, because Farmer's not in. Oh. Let's take a look back here. Got Vado, India. Bar yeah, it's going to be a lot of Jose Barrero. 241, 206. 206 looks the best. 202. Still because I need to have gray in there. And I'm getting all this, this Padres stuff. 251, 202. Got Grissom in there. Got Tommy Pham in this one. 191. This looks great. What the 10 that they show up. Maybe this 206 one is the best. Maybe. I don't know. One, two, five, six, seven. Ugh. So I'm missing on Moustakis. Maybe I want to play Moustakis. 4,600. Which one is the Moustakis line? Yeah, here's the one. I don't mind this. What's wrong with this? I don't care that it's 241. Barrero, 567, 14567. You have Caratini, Machado, Tatis, which are, you know, chalky. Di Slafani, Molly, which is chalky. But the Reds are going to be much less on 0%. But I don't think that's going to happen. But we'll see. I'll save that. But this is what I do. I'm just looking through a lot. Like, now you can make. If you know that you're not going to play any of a team, then don't, don't make those lines, right? So even though I'm building single entry, I'm hand, I'm going to be putting them in by hand. Right? I don't need to upload this via CSV. It's four lineups. Uh, you, could, you could use lineup HQ to hand build your lineups and put different things. Maybe you don't want to play. Maybe you're like, oh, there's no chance. Like, I, if you say, I don't want to play Tyler Molly in a lot of lineups, then just X them out and then see what the lineups look like from there. You can do all the research you want. I want to build 20 lineups that look like this. Okay, take a look at this. And then go, okay, let me let me see which ones. Okay, I'm going to save this one and this one. And then you move it. I'm going to build 20 of this type of lineup. And you look and you go, okay, this line. And then you start comparing. Then you go into your save lineups and you start comparing them to one another. And if you're building three lineups, you could have 20 lineups saved through all of the iterations of like, I'm going to go see what this looks like, what that looks like, what this looks like. And then you pick three. And you think, okay, I'm going to play this one, this one, this one, and there you go. 
You don't have to use lineup HE. Just, oh, I'm going to build 100 lineups. It's only used for that purpose. It can be used for research. It's much easier to do it this way than just to have, uh, go on your phone and just start tapping on things. You don't get these figures next to you. You don't get to see, oh, didn't realize I could play this with that and that with this, right? I tried to make, like, I looked at these stacks. All right, I'm building all these. I said to lineup HQ, it could build whatever it wants here, and it continues to build five, three lineups, right? Or five, two, one, or something like that. It's not building, when it built the five man, it built the five man Cubs. It didn't go four man Cubs and three Padres and one Rocky. Like, no, it actually preferred the five man Cubs from a projection standpoint than four, three, because the Cubs are so cheap. So you're able to just jam everything in. So you could do that using Lineup HQ. Click on the link in the description. Get $10 off your first month. Let's see. Go through the YouTube chat. Any last questions before we get out of here? Travis Daniels, do you use running exposure? You can. All that does is make, the, make it so that uh, your CSV is a little bit more diverse. Doesn't really do anything else. Like it's still going to give you X amount of percent in X amount of lineups, 100 lineups. Just it may not be all in a row, right? You go, oh, I want, I want Molly in 50% of my lineups, right? If you put, don't put running exposure and you build 100 lineups, most likely the first 50 are going to be Molly's, are going to be all Molly lineups. And then it's going to be the next 50 are going to be no Molly lineups. If you use running exposure, that's the lineup generation is most likely to be Molly lineup, not Molly lineup, Molly lineup, not Molly lineup, Molly lineup, not Molly lineup. So if you're doing something where all you're doing is cutting and pasting in the order created and plugging it in into your CSV and you're playing multiple different types of contests, like maybe, oh, I'm playing 50 lineups into, I'm playing 20 lineups into the large field $18 contest, but I'm also playing the 20 max uh, $4 contest and I have different lineups for that. So you have, a, you have a CSV with 40 spots in it. If you didn't use running exposure percentages, it's quite, it's quite likely that this contest's 20 lineups have all the Molly lineups. And this contest's 20 lineups have none of the Molly lineups. So you have no, so basically, like if you, if Molly gets hit, like all of these contest lineups are done and like, oh, I won the 20 max instead of winning the big contest. But if you put running exposure percentage, it's more likely Molly, not Molly, Molly, not. And then when you cut and paste, you get, you know, 10 Molly lineups into each and 10 non-Molly lineups. That's, that's what running exposure does. Okay, Michael Dampier, soft large field, soft large field contest. Would you expect the Minnesota, Cleveland, Cincinnati to be overrun because the lineups are, are out only for only those teams? Well, in the Cubs, but I don't expect ownership there. I guess a little. I don't think that much. I think cores is going to be the only, I, that's the chalk. Is it, will there be a tick up? Maybe, maybe, but I, I don't, I don't think so. Enough that I care. Let's see. Michael Dampier says it's way, it seems way too easy to fit pretty good pictures back to the course game. Exactly, which is what which is what's going to be done. Hence, the lineups that I'm looking at are ones that don't do that. But it's not like I'm fading, right? I'm still I'm playing cores, but not as part of a five man. I'm playing Rockies and Padres guys. Not, and then the stack is going to be against the chalk pictures, rather than do it the other way around. Some people you could. You could do it that you play the chalk pitchers and then like, oh, no one's playing Toronto. So I'm going to play Espen. I'm going to play cheap bottom of the order. That's what people are going to try to do. 
So they don't, so they get to play the two best pitchers and the best stack, but the ownership's going to be all over, going to be high. So I'm not, I'm not avoiding cores, just it's not going to be the core piece of my lineup. I don't want my lineups to look like. I want it so that these batters in that game do well, but the game in and of itself, it's a six to four game, right? And then one of these, one of these chalk pitchers just gets blown up. Molly, the Cubs score eight runs against Molly. And there you go. And I five done. And all the, and and, and 60% of the lineups have minus six in them. Makes it even better. That's what I'm doing. That's exploiting the field. I'm looking at what's the easiest path to first place. This is the easiest path to first place. It's not going to happen as often, but that's not, that's not your goal in DFS. Your goal is not to build lineups that are the most probable. Your goal is to build the lineups that are the most profitable in the long term this doesn't work today you know what i do i try to get tomorrow right i do it the next day one or two times a year i win a lot of money i win first place and it makes up for all those other times and then you're wildly profitable afterwards it's a mindset shift that's about not predicting outcomes oh yeah the most likely thing is is uh is uh disclafani plus molly plus cores like that's the most probable the hardest to win the most amount of money doing it's hard it's hardest to be profitable doing it that way you cash okay oh, i turned my 18 dollars into 36 dollars oh. the long term that's not where the money is the money is at top okay so hit that thumbs up button on your way out the door thumb give me those thummy thumbs uh hit the notification bell to know when we go live we got we got grinders we got a lot of stuff today right we got we got uh, the salt cast, we got uh, the OGs, sports betting with uh, beers, beer maker and chop and noto. We got uh, grinders live, obviously later for the MLB slate. We got crunch time for premium members, and uh, the NFL schedule should come out at some point. We got a bunch of stuff coming up for NFL. I don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be a lot of stuff. So subscribe to the channel, subscribe to Roto Grinders. If you're a premium member, I'm always in the Discord. So if you're a premium member, you get access to that and you can ask for stuff, you know, there also, but I'm always available. You see, you show up. If you listen on the podcast version of this, which you can download, like you're not here live. And if I didn't talk about something that you wanted to talk about, you have to show up. Right? People ask questions. I answer them, right? We go over review and that's what I do. So sometimes the show is, oh, you didn't mention anything about today's slate. Well, there were people in chat that needed to be serviced and I serviced them. So that's what I did. So give me those thumbs up. And uh, I will I will see you again as as you'll always see me Monday through Friday at eleven o'clock Eastern on the DFS pregame show on RotoGrinders.com.